0: Hello everyone, I'm Brady Volt, founder of Nimble This and the Volt Firm. We are back. Our topic today is what is possible with DOCSIS 3.1 modems, things from SCTE Expo, OFDMA, and more. Back with us is John Downey, CMTS technical leader of Cisco Systems. John, great to have you back again.
1: Of course. Where else would I be? <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back
0: with us on another Friday. There you are. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, so back with our, you know, another power of our, of all things Doxus. Um, please drop your questions into our chat window. We'll take those if you have them. If not, drop your questions below. We'll take those as well later on. Um, be sure to subscribe and give us a thumbs up so you get all of our episodes. John, um, you and I were Cable Tech Expo just recently. It was awesome. It was great to be back with all of our friends again. The show went by so fast. Barely had enough time to catch um the seminars and also get out on the floor and see all the vendors that were back again and also see if our friends. If you missed it, Mia put together a short video. Let's take a look. Okay, so so that was just a a quick snapshot of like, you know, some of the things that we saw on this floor. um, kind of like just just that highlight of what the floor experience was was like so if you were at cable tech expo you kind of knew the experience it's been a couple years since we've been there if you've not been to cable tech expo that's kind of like that show floor experience we're trying to give you an idea of some of the things you get to see when you're on the show floor john i don't know if there's anything you want to throw in to add to that
1: yeah i just i remember some of the uh, shots there we were talking to i think uh um technetics uh, about their new tap um And we mentioned how, you know, we've had taps since uh, the dawn of time of cable. And it's funny how we're still reinventing things, right? Because we're trying to extend DOCSIS. And I always say we're milking the cow as long as we can.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I was, I was really excited from the show just with how much new technology, you know, we're, we're starting to see DOCSIS 4.0 equipment um, starting to come out, but it's still going to be some time, I think, before DOCSIS 4.0 actually comes to life. So that's why part of, you know, we'll get into next, uh, well, actually, actually, there a question I have coming up uh, about where we can go with DOCSIS 3.1 modems. So as we were talking earlier before the show, John, I mentioned um, I was uh, just yesterday talking to or giving a presentation on OFDMA to the... Dakota Territory Chapter. So big shout out to everyone at the Dakota Chat Territory Chapter, guys. Great chatting with everyone yesterday. I had a great question. Wednesday. It was on yesterday. Yesterday. Or yesterday yesterday oh, okay. or no, it was Wednesday. You're right. It was Wednesday. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my days get messed up. Um, so I was asked a question about how many modems can transmit at the same time on a 6.4 megahertz OFDMA channel. And I didn't have a good answer. So these guys stumped me at it, and I said, well, I'd get back to them. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for you and I to chat about this, John, because I figured this is probably an area that you had already looked into. I hadn't had a chance to look into that because I wasn't sure if we'd be limited by bandwidth, mini slots, grants. So, John, what's your take on it?
1: So it is an interesting question because, you know, with ATDMA, um, the A part of that ATDM, A means it's basically bursty, right? So uh, single carrier qualms in the upstream are all bursty, one modem at a time. I remember reading an article about noise contribution saying, oh, you have 900 modems on a service group. Yeah, but they're not all contributing noise at the same time. They only contribute their own noise when they transmit, which is an interesting point. But when we go to OFDMA, just like like C- SCDMA used to be, you have codes. Uh, but with OFDMA, you could have multiple modems transmit the same instant in time. Uh, because they're assigned mini slots. Now a mini slot is 400 kilohertz. So depending on the subcarrier spacing, which brings another point, a 6.4 megahertz wide OFDMA, that's not even legit unless you're doing 25 kilohertz subcarrier spacing. If you do 50 kilohertz subcarrier spacing, the minimum channel has to be 10 megahertz. And by the way, it's 10 megahertz active subcarriers. Spectrum, but we put a half megahertz on both sides. So it's really 11 megahertz for a 10 megahertz carrier, and it's 7.4 megahertz for 6.4. Six
0: six yes. And so I think that's a good point um, that you bring up because. Not all CMTS vendors support both 25 kilohertz and 50 kilohertz spacing just yet, even though it is part of the DOCSIS specification. So um, you may want to do a 6.4 kilohertz megahertz channel in the upstream, but if your vendor doesn't support 25 kilohertz spacing, you may be limited to your smallest OFDMA channel being 10 megahertz. Um, to your point, John.
1: Yeah. So then the if it's 6.4 megahertz divided by 0.4, which is 400 kilohertz, you end up with 16.
0: Where are you coming so up with the 400 kilohertz
1: have, again? What's
0: that? Where are you coming up yeah. with the 400 kilohertz again? Just sorted. So that's a mini
1: slot. So when you look at the spec, the uh, mini slot for OFDMA is 400 kilohertz. So that could be eight 50 kilohertz subcarriers, or it could be 16 25 kilohertz subcarriers, but it's always going to be 400 kilohertz for a mini slot.
0: And So when, if I know a
1: mod- modem can transmit one mini slot, that means 16 of those could transmit at the same instant of time. Sixteen times point
0: four it equals six point four. Sixteen modems can transmit in one mini slot at the same time. No,
1: six modems could be assigned the mini slot. Six. So, if a mini slot's four hundred kilohertz, then you get sixteen of those in a six point four megahertz wide channel. Okay,
0: so six modems in a mini slot. Sixteen modems in a six point four megahertz um, OFDMA channel. Correct. So that's the final that, answer. That's the answer I didn't have for the Dakota yeah. chapter.
1: And so there, and there's two basic points to that too is because you could have 16 modems it just in that small channel you get a lot more if you did the math for 96 megahertz wide channel and divide by 0. 0.4 you end up with like 200 modems could transmit the same instant in time you know, take 96 divided by 0. 0.4 whatever whatever the numbers um but let's say we go back to your example of 16 modems potentially transmit at the same instant in time that's not going to work very well for an rfog solution when we look at an RFOG solution, we worry about optical bead interference and multiple lasers coming on at the same time in the upstream. If you have 16 modems, 16 different neighbors all talking at the same instant of time, their lasers come on, they all transmit at say 1310 or 15, probably 1310, um, they're all going to collide and have optical beat interference. So OFDMA doesn't bode well with RFOG solutions. On top of that, when you say power levels. If my modem transmits, say, 50 dBmV, that was for the whole channel, per se. Um, And technically, when we look at power levels for OFDMA, regardless of how wide the channel is, we usually equate the power level to a 6.4. And and so me and you were doing some math earlier, and I have to uh, uh, take a step back. Um, If we know that... um, the modem is only going to transmit one mini slot, which is 0.4 megahertz, and there's 16 of those in a 6.4 megahertz channel. Mm-hmm. You do 10 times the log of 16, you end up with 12 dB. So what happens? 10 times is, the log
0: of 1 um, 16th, right? Yeah, so you subtract. So it would be a negative, six, yeah.
1: negative 12, right? Right. Yeah, so if it was 10 times the log of 16 would be 12, 10, 10 times the log of 1 16th would be in negative 12, 12. dB. Um, so if you said, all right, my modem is at this house, it should be transmitted 50 dBmV, the actual power level coming out, if it only transmits that one mini-slot, is going to be 50 minus 12. It's only going to be 38, and that might not be enough to even turn the laser on for our fog. So there, there lies another problem.
0: Yeah, and, right? and the scenarios that modems are going to be transmitting, and just just like you're saying, one one small subcarrier, just that – one-sixteenth there are going to be like mouse clicks or you know very very frequent times that that's going to happen when if you're gaming or you know just clicking on a link or something like that and that's going to have very low energy as you're saying you're not going to turn on the um, the channel you're not going to create enough energy Mm -hmm. to turn on a laser in your rfog solution
1: and most rfog solutions have a certain threshold because they don't want the laser turning on for ingress right you know you don't want someone some you know remote control car at 27 megahertz creating ingress and that turns on your upstream laser so there's usually a threshold there
0: so we talk about the maximum number being 16 modems we still i mean that's the theoretical maximum right we still have a capacity issue you could have one modem that would consume or just a couple subscribers that could consume that 6.4 megahertz OFDM, of OFDMA channel I mean, if it, they're consuming the total to bandwidth
1: yeah, CMTS schedules the time, use it or lose it. So it's like if you're the only one online and you want more speed, I'll give you all the mini slots in that 6.4 megahertz channel. I'll give you all 16. Correct. Because no one else asked for it.
0: So so 16 is the maximum, but it could be less than 16 modems if you have subscribers that are consuming a lot of upstream bandwidth.
1: Correct. But it could be a lot more than 16 if you have a bigger OFDMA block.
0: Which ideally we're, we're going to be looking for. And I think that brings us into the next section of, you know, we, we're looking at 4.0 in the future, DOCS 4.0 to get us to 10 gigabits per second in the downstream, much faster bandwidth in the, in the upstream. But that's not <laughs> available yet today. That CPE equipment is not available today.
1: I just uh, took 90s. I just took, actually, it's 95, right? Because 96. Is the max channel minus a half megahertz on both sides? Mm-hmm. So it's actually 95 megahertz divided by 0. 0.4. You could have 237 modems
0: transmit the same instant at a time. 237. That's your theoretical max. We probably don't really have that many.
1: DOCSIS 3.1 modems in the same service group anyway, but you could.
0: Yeah. Today we don't typically have that many, yeah. but it's, it's possible. Um, and you know, I had that question too because uh, I gave my own recommendation, but that I was asking, you know, what is your recommended service group side? Size, so you know, how many modems on a node, or how many modems on a service group? Especially as we're moving into DOCSIS three point one, and we're trying to achieve this gigabit speed bidirectionally. Um, so, you know, when we talk about how many modems in a service group, you know, we we see nodes that are you know all the anywhere from a hundred modems or even less to sometimes we see them at five hundred modems. Are you know what guidance do you give as far as the ideal number of modems on a service group?
1: Hey. <laughs> If the president of your company is on a node, then it's one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the ideal number. <laughs> yeah,
1: kind of like when you have a food critic. If you have someone that's really active on the uh, the chat chat rooms and stuff, you put less modems on that service group so he's happy. He never complains. Uh, so I used to have it's philosophical in that if you have to provide higher speeds. Into a service group because competitive pressure, marketing, whatever, you have a bigger pipe to share, so you could afford more people in that area. So the service group could be 500, could be a thousand customers in the service group, a downstream service group. You might segregate the upstream, you know, into a one by two, meaning the downstream is a thousand, but it's 500 for each upstream service group. And that upstream could be uh, OFDMA and single-carat qualm mixed together. It's a big enough pipe to offer 200 megabit per second, uh, but most people are only taking 10 meg service mm-hmm. or 15 meg service on the upstream. So you can oversubscribe it more. That one becomes fuzzy math. You know, it's, it's all over the place. You really don't know until you look at the types of services they're running and how active people really are. Am I servicing a college town where they're active all the time? Am I servicing a new development where people are working from home? You know, so it's going to create more upstream. Uh, do they have security cameras that are creating more upstream? Um, uh, what Ring doorbells, gaming and stuff like that. So we can start out with a certain number and say, yeah, that makes sense. But we always try to push that as far as we can, because that's how we make money. You know, right. you sub- oversubscribe and then uh, you hope pe- people can ring the bell when they do a ping test or a speed test. Uh, and then they're happy because that's all they're looking at for their their speed verification is they're just going to speed test sites in reality you know we used to say i give people 10 megabit per second but the average usage might be only 200 kilobit per second 24 right. 7.
0: but i don't think you're recommending 500 modems as a service group size because what i'm seeing more in the industry is we're trending down to maybe 100 modems per service group
1: of course i mean we're trying to get uh, fiber deeper which makes sense uh, so you can have a fiber node fiber plus one amplifier uh, but that one amplifier could be all over the place. So in reality, it's one node and might be 20 line extenders, Because it, but it's only one in Cascade, mm-hmm. right? But it could be 20 line extenders. Uh, and that might end feeding, you know, 400 people. And then on the upstream, 200 on one leg, 200 on another leg. So yeah. it might be 200 per upstream service group. could be much less. I mean, I know Comcast was looking at node plus zero, and they were looking at 150 to 200 homes per node. Right, maximum. So, I mean... So then your upstream is even cut down to maybe 75. Yes.
0: Yeah. I and mean, we've seen some customers as particularly as they go to DAA, um, and, uh, they're really trying to push down even less sub 100 modems per service group um so you know kind of like the comcast model but they're they want to get it less because what they're seeing is that obviously and, and this will be very intuitive as soon as i say it to everyone as you get fewer modems per service group your return path noise gets much less and that should be intuitive to anyone just because you have fewer subscribers contributing to that return path noise so that's feedback that we're getting from customers is the uh, obvious is you you reduce that that number of modems um, maintenance per node gets to be much easier. However, you do have a lot more nodes that you have to maintain. Um, uh, We got a comment in from Will in the chat room. He says, cannot stress the security cameras as a bandwidth driver enough. um, Caused me to switch my primary connection from a DOCSIS provider to FTTH provider. I think that's an interesting thing. There's, There's a number of security camera providers out there that rather than having all your camera services coming into your internal network, they're starting to stream all their services up to the cloud, um, and that's like you know just continuous upstream traffic uh, being sent to a cloud provider. So that's really changing. You know, rather than being consumers of traffic, now we're being every single home with these you know, different camera providers are continuously sending upstream traffic. And um, and I actually just had a customer contact me today that they were at at like 96% upstream utilization. And it's not too often that you see that where you have a lot of upstream utilization issues. It's typically our utilization issues are in the downstream. But I'm not going to be surprised due to, you know, thanks, Will, for your comment. appreciate that. Um, Because of all the IoT devices, we're not going to start to see a lot more upstream utilization issues.
1: Uh, I know I'll uh, add on to that. I'll pile on to that is uh, over the top video. A lot of people are doing over the top video. And I'm giving you an example of a, a local gym I know of that uh, has you know, four or five uh, high def TVs all doing over the top video. They're all creating upstream acts. And over the top video is not, even though it's high def, it's not taken up that much. Let's say it's like 10 mega piece. So you might be have like 50 meg of downstream traffic but that 50 meg of downstream traffic could easily be creating you know, um, maybe two meg of upstream acts. And if your upstream is limited to five or 10 megabit per second, half of your upstream is already eaten up by your downstream TCP flows. So that then becomes a, maybe a bottleneck. And then if you're trying to, I knew uh, people were trying to, re- maybe the, the owner trying to remotely view his cameras, So to create, and the the camera might have been a local storage, it wasn't to the cloud. So the cameras weren't creating traffic until he tried to remotely access them. And now that camera system might be slow because the downstream over-the-top video is creating a slower upstream flow. Right. You know, it's kind of eating into it.
0: So I think that brings us into the next section that we want to talk about is you know we have finite bandwidth um, in our upstream. So DOCSIS 3.1 gives us a lot of bandwidth in our downstream up to about 5 gigabits per second but with our existing infrastructure we can do you know maybe maybe if we go to 204 megahertz uh, about a gig and a half and i think we talked we touched on this when when we were at expo i want to explore that topic a little bit further of you know why we why cable operators may need to bridge the gap between DOCSIS 3.1 and, and DOCSIS 4.0 and and kind of explore you know how far can we push a DOCSIS 3.1 modem today and 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 explain to our our listeners you know what are our options and, and where we can go from there? So, so first off, John, I'll ask you, You know, what is the maximum capacity that we can do today with a DOCSIS 3.1 modem in both the upstream and downstream?
1: So the modem itself is hardware limited to 32 single-carat QAM downstream, two OFDM blocks downstream. Uh, they operate all the mod profiles up to 4K QAM. I know in the spec there was a maybe of uh, 8K and 16K QAM, but there's no modems on the market that support that. And I don't think there's any systems. There might be some systems out there that could support 8K qualm. I don't know. Maybe a node plus zero situation, especially if it was remote PHY node.
0: Didn't one operator um, do some testing at 8K and, and 16K qualm? There,
1: there's no modems. Right. So there's no modems to test it, uh, unless they have some type of proprietary modem. Uh, all the markets that are you could buy today through one modems are um, 32 single carrier qualm, two of the N blocks up to 4K qualm support. Uh, upstream, eight single-carrier QAM upstream with two OFDMA blocks up to 4K qualm support. Uh, I know from Cisco's side, we don't officially support 4K qualm in the upstream because, let's be honest, not many systems could do an MER good enough to get 4K qualm. But I have a few systems doing uh, 1K and 2K qualm in the upstream. And believe it or not, we, Jason Miller and I have one customer doing 4K qualm, even though it's not officially supported. So, they activated it just to see if they could make it work. And they have it working in some situations. So, I'm like, squeeze out as much as you can, you know? And if the CMTS and Kim Mones are smart enough to do profile, graceful profile management, where they can drop modulation on their own when the MER is bad or uncorrectable FEC, then so be it. Right. You know, so it's kind of nice to be able to use it if you can. And if you can't, the CMTS will automatically drop you back down.
0: Correct. So even though we can do higher order modulations, if like you said, if the CPE is not out there, we're still stuck with what we have today and highs being 4K. So with, with
1: that said, you asked about speed. So downstream 32 QAMs, 256 QAM is the most you can do for the 32 semi QAMs. That's 1.2 gig. So that's 1.2 gig right there. You take uh, uh, a 192 megahertz wide OFDM signal at 4K QAM. I know I'm pushing my the limit highest there, we but can I, do. Yeah, so 4K QAM, you can get 1.9, almost 2 gig out of one block. So if you have two blocks, there's 4 gig there, plus the 1.2 gig from the 32 single single-car QAM, there's your 5 gig.
0: 5 gigs. And that, so five but that gig- assumes there's yeah. no noise, no RF impairments that's dropping our modulation from 4096 QAM to a lower order modulations. So. And you
1: have the spectrum allocation, you can do that. Correct. right? You need two blocks plus the 32 single-parate QAM, along with your video, Along with everything else that's on your plant,
0: so five gig down. Cool. That's five gig on the downstream. How about the, how about the upstream?
1: So let's be honest on the upstream for modulations. A one k qual. Mm-hmm. I can make one k qual work on the upstream. Um, with that and two ninety six megahertz blocks that could fit in a you know a five to two hundred four uh, uh, upstream plant. And because it's a two hundred four, you're probably going to do DAA distributed yeah. access architecture. So you have digital fiber. I'm afraid of laser clipping for anything upstream analog. There's not so.
0: going to be any analog optics. We have to eliminate all analog optics, which means we're also getting rid of any and type I'm of legacy video. I'm not
1: going to but it's, it's highly recommended yes. that you do it. <laughs> and, and, and it could be not even DAA. It could be the like Comscope uh, and even ATX, who's handling some of Cisco's stuff that we kind of sold off. Uh, they're making a, a upstream digital, like BDR. Mm-hmm. Remember the EDR? Yes. Enhanced digital return, where they digitize the upstream and send it back on a digital link. So that's not quite DAA, but it is a digital upstream, which would satisfy and solve the upstream laser clipping problem. So let's say 204 uh, is the upstream spectrum, 296 megahertz blocks, almost the equivalent of a 192 megahertz OFDM block, right? Um, with 1K quantum, you can get 1.5 gig. Okay. So the aggregate is 1.5 gig. With a 1.5 gig aggregate, you could offer 1 gig service to you know, probably more than a handful of people because what's the probability of them actually using it and then using all of it? Consistently, and all
0: on continuously. Power. And that's two OFDMA yeah. channels you're talking about in the upstream. Uh, any SC qualms with that or is it we're just, just I mean, using OFDMA? Well,
1: let's do the math. 5 to 204 is uh, 196,
0: isn't it? Yes. Is
1: it? it, na- 5 to 204 is 190.
0: It's about 200, 200 megahertz roughly. It's about 200 <laughs> megahertz.
1: So, if you have 296 megahertz blocks, it's going to be 192. So, you don't you really have, have any room for SC
0: quam. So, what maybe does that one. mean? What does that mean for legacy CPE so like maybe you, one,
1: maybe you have room for one single carrier qualm and maybe that's just for like uh, some EMTA boy or from docs set-top gateway set-top boxes.
0: Or maybe your legacy transponders in your power supplies that you don't want to upgrade to 3.1. So I think that's an important thing to understand. In order to achieve that 1.5 gigabit per second in the upstream that we want to do, you pretty much have to go to a pure 3.1 network for all your subscribers. And that's that's a lot of Um, upgrades
1: yeah awfully close right yep. i mean i'm sure you could rob peter to pay paul you could say all right i'm going to do a 96 megahertz block from uh right near the upper edge of the the uh, fm band so maybe 88 to 204 is a 96 megahertz block or no 108 to 204 is a 96 megahertz block so you would just avoid the fm band yes and then maybe from 42 to 85 you do us a, a smaller of dma uh, and then, below forty two you stick with your single carrier qualm because business as usual..
0: Yeah. So as I said, we we have about two hundred megahertz there, but we haven't taken into consideration any exclusion bands, any places that we're going to have to notch out subcarriers due to known impairments or known uh, signals that are going to be in there that are already going to be taking away from that capacity that we have. So uh, being able to put SC qualms in there is going to be really, really hard. Um, so, Jeremiah uh, asked in the chat room, he, he says, Are there any possible modulation enhancements that are supported with DOCSIS 3.1 chipsets? Uh, is 32 SC qualm at 512 or 1024 with smaller service groups? So I, I think he's talking about, you know, can we, do we have any capabilities with our SC qualm to increase the modulation? Um, no. So, unfortunately, Jeremiah, as you know, John and I have been talking about, the spec is blocked. The spec is locked into place. We're not increasing modulations anywhere. We kind of have what we have. Um, so I think, you know, how, how could we get more out of it, John? Because, you know, we, we're looking at only, you know, well, not only, but, you know, 5 gigabits per second in the downstream is a lot. 1.5 gigabit per second in the upstream is a lot. But, you know, in the upstream, we have to go to 204 gigabit per second. Um, you know, DOCS is four, obviously the next step, How could we get more out of DOCSIS 3.1?
1: So there's no, assuming you have Spectrum available or you make Spectrum available, you could do more than two OFDM blocks on a downstream. If your CMTS supports it, uh, if your, what else would be out there? Um, Really it's just the CMTS, RPD. If you have DAA and you have a remote five device or remote Mac device, does it support multiple blocks? So it's whether the CMTS, wherever the physical layer is being generated, can it generate four blocks? And what good is four blocks? Well, if I can do four downstream blocks and I can load balance modems across it, instead of um, making my service groups smaller, you just made a bigger pipe that people can share and you can load balance. So even though my limiting factor here is the modem itself, in theory, you could have two modems in somebody's house where one modem locks on the first two OFDM blocks, and the next modem low balances over to the other two OFDM blocks. So it's on the same cable plant, but it's not on the same channels. So right. now you have 5 gig on each modem, so technically you have 10 gig to the house.
0: So, so I like the idea, 10 gig to the house, and I'm, I'm going to uh, get to... Mel, I'm going to get to you in a second there, but uh, if you have, you know, if you only have a capacity of five gigabit per second and you're doubling the modem, um, aren't you taking, risking overloading the channel? Or are you saying that by adding additional OFDMH ch- or OFDM and OFDMA channels, you're not going to overload that?
1: Correct, because it's not going to be on the same. They're not going to be on the same channels.
0: And that's where the load balancing comes in that you're yes. talking about. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep, so then you have to then you have some logistics there
1: on how to load balance properly, make sure it load balance. And let's take a step back and say why do people want this type of speed? It's not for a single flow, it's not for one application. There's no applications out there. There's there's no doctors doing holographic surgery from their house, you know. <laughs> I don't need that speed for one application. It's I have kids, I have DVRs, I have cameras, I have five different devices, I have a lot of different Flows going on at the same time in my house. So I might want five gig, but not for one application, not for one PC, not for one laptop or, or iPad. Uh, I might have 20 devices that want to do a little bit. So 20 devices doing 50 megapiece there's a gig right there. You know, um, 50 megs a lot, you know, in, in today's applications. I might have that many devices, or I'm trying to be my own ISP, and I'm actually selling services to my neighbors.
0: <laughs> You'd never <laughs> like do that, a John. Room. <laughs> no. Don't give people ideas, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but really, you you are. You have speeds now that are more than what ISP started out with.
0: Yep. Right?
1: I mean, it's crazy, uh, the type of speeds we're offering for residential. So uh, to have that speed, I could divvy up the speed amongst different services and maybe different motives. So. Uh, that was the idea is i can get 10 gig to the house but can i just use multiple modems to do 10 gig five gig on one five gig on the other they're actually on their own separate channels
0: it's an aggregation it's kind of like load balancing or, or you know it's just it's, it's, it's yeah. a different way we can do it so i like it um so so mel um he's saying guys uh thanks uh all good thumbs up from the netherlands so shout out to everyone in the netherlands uh up Um, So he's getting a software upgrade on a CBR8. Awesome to you. Um, He's also saying if the backbone is using multicast, and and so multicast for um, video delivery, I'm assuming he's using that to lower the usage of bandwidth, uh, is this possible on the CMTS or will this stress the CMTS? So for doing both multicast and and docsis video um so i don't see it i mean multicast is going to add more traffic to the cmts i, I think a question would be from my standpoint perspective john is multicast uh, able to be evenly load balanced on ofdm channels
1: yeah i don't see any problem with that none that i really know of i mean when you turn on more applications you're going to have more cpu i mean yep. that's That's the nature of the business.
0: And it's going to consume. Uh, It's going to be competing for the same data that subscribers are competing for, right? I mean, it's it's basically utilizing capacity on the OFDM channel.
1: Yeah. But you're also creating, you're doing using, you're providing content. And instead of how we do video today, where um, we have to send, say, 100 analog channels down the line, but we don't know what people are watching. But we have to transmit them all. And they take up Spectrum. Here, the whole idea about the multicast, and that was, uh, if everyone's watching, what do they call it, the long tail uh, and the short tail, of, of the traffic? Um, if everyone's watching Netflix right now, and there, it's the same show, then that content is kind of—it's like broadcast, but it's multicast. Everyone is watching the same show, so I can send it down at 10 megabits per second, and not do a 10 for you, and a 10 for you, and a 10 for me, and. Because yeah, I think what you're what problem. you're
0: saying is that if everyone's watching Netflix, the cable operator doesn't manage it, so everyone's pulling it in from different points at different times, and and you can't manage that flow. Whereas if you as a cable operator are doing multicast, you have a better opportunity of managing that traffic, caching that traffic, and ideally reducing the impact on your network. So um, multicast it is going to load your CMTS, but. In theory, you may be able to have more control and, and make it more efficient on your CMTS than a standard over-the-top provider of video.
1: I think my concern would be uh, in a DAA, Distributed Access Architecture, your convergent interconnect network, your SIN, your digital fiber, that multicast is going to eat up overhead on the SIN. And the SIN might not even be yours. You might be leasing... Uh, a digital fiber from some other third provider, or you know, some other provider. So any of that overhead you're paying for, um, and maybe you didn't take it into account when you did some of your traffic engineering. Right. Uh, even downstream maps for upstream scheduling, that's overhead on the sin as well. Right. So every time I have lots of upstreams in the service group, or lots of primary downstreams, I worry about. How much map traffic, how much overhead do I have on my SIN that I didn't account for? Like, you could have no DOCSIS traffic at all. <laughs> and but you're still your going to have overhead. <laughs> yeah. You have traffic running. Wait a minute. <laughs> why am I paying for this? Mm.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, Roman R, greetings from Germany. Hi, Roman. And Abraham says, can newer DOCSIS 3.1 modems use five OFDM spectrum channels instead of the two today? So I think we talked about that uh, just a few minutes ago, John. We said, you know, currently the DOCSIS specification says that DOCSIS 3.1 modems can just do two OFDM channels. Um, so that's something like if we could do more, then we could get a lot more downstream traffic. But it's kind of like something we uh, there were proposals and discussions at uh, at this latest Cable Tech Expo. There were some people talking, I, I think even the presentations on it. Um, but, it's, I, I, you know, I really don't know what, what's going to happen in the industry. I, I don't know if you've heard any rumors, John, that people are actually, vendors are actually talking about adding this additional capability. You know, if it's just rumors or if this is legit? I,
1: I think it's rumors at this point. You know, we have our own, uh, we're trying to push our own agenda <laughs> as well, right? <laughs> you know, you and I talked at this show, you know, there was the kick around of right now it's a hardware limitation of the modem. Uh, and there's 4.0 spec coming out for FDX or ESD, extended spectrum boxes, doing 1.8 gigahertz downstream and doing have the hardware in the modem to do multiple blocks of d right, and multiple blocks of upstream modulation uh, and mod, mod, multiplexing. Um, but right now, the 3.1 modem is hardware limited to two blocks downstream, two blocks upstream, and a single-carat quantum. Uh, if we could maybe just grab new silicon <laughs> that could do the blocks, but maybe we didn't worry about FDX or we didn't worry about 1.8 gigahertz. And if we could get a modem with newer hardware in it, and then we said, you know, it's kicking around, people say 3.1 plus and 3.5, and you and I joked about calling it 3.14, and we'll call it the Pi modem. So 3.14 is Pi. We we coined the term Pi. Um, So if we could get a 3.1 modem that just had a little bit more oomph, you know, and, and then, you know, after I got ta- done talking to you, I was thinking also, if I put the hardware in there to do more blocks, why not put the hardware in there to do higher modulation as well? Yes. Why not allow the 8K QAM, and 16K QAM? If I can do it, I can do it. If not, but I'd rather have hardware that I pay for one time to get me to the, you know, the, the 10 gig potential without even going down the FDX path or the ESD path. You know, Because yeah. I can I do five blocks in 1.2 gigahertz. I mean, I just got to start eating into my video.
0: I think the struggle we have as industries, we have just two chipset vendors out there, and they're working really, really hard to get DOCSIS 4.0 ready for us. Um, so for them to, to spend energy going back and reworking the DOCSIS 31 chipset to add support for more OFDM and OFDMA channels, is, it's going to be really set. hard.
1: I think it would be a 4.0 chipset, but I wouldn't have to worry about the at a complexity of FDX or uh, going to 1.8 gigahertz, Right. you know? So you know what, give me a tone down version that has the higher modulation and has the multiple, for that matter, it's like, uh, I don't know, could I put multiple chips in a modem? <laughs> you know, like the idea of two modems, right? Why can't I have like two chips in one modem so it really is two modems? But I'm, I'm just speculating there about how do I just get one modem, one device in the house to do more speed, right?
0: Yep, absolutely. So we got some we got some feedback here, Ron. Uh, local trees, always appreciate the 100. Nels, um, welcome. Uh, and Abraham, Abraham loves the pie, John. <laughs> so, <laughs> pumpkin happy, pie. When happy Pump, pie day pumpkin comes pumpkin around, <laughs> when pie day comes okay. around, we'll do a big celebration on that. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin spice. Yes. So... All right, John, um, anything else on this topic for DOCSIS 3.1 modems and where we can take them? Uh, I
1: mean, in regards to the upstream, we are we're limited to 204. Um, so adding more upstream channel capability doesn't do us any good. Um, if I do this 3.14 or pi modem, right, I need more downstream, and that would be one way to do it, is new downstream chip. Upstream chip, I don't see how trying to get past 4k qualm and two blocks is going to do me any good mm-hmm. because it, it won't i don't have the spectrum for it anyway and then we start getting into DOCSIS 40 with you know a 396 megahertz upstream or esd with a 396 upstream or something even higher than that but now you're you're man you're going into the freaking weeds right with all the plant upgrades that need to happen and all the logistics it's just a lot of stuff to to bite off there
0: Hey, Mel's yeah. Canal, and Mel, I'm sorry if I'm saying your last name uh, r- r- improperly. I'm, I'm trying not to say your last name. Actually, you just said something in the chat room that made me, um, as John and I are talking about, new ideas for DOCSIS 3.1 and DOCSIS 4.0. I think this is a really good comment you made. He said, you have one, we have one PLC uh, per OFDMA, OFDM channel. Um, and as, as you're saying, you encountered an issue where interference collided with a plc and i'm sure caused all your modems to go offline as you're saying so you change the frequency meaning you move the plc to a different frequency where you didn't have interference and now no more problems so how about plc redundancy john
1: you know i thought i thought in the spec back when we started looking at resiliency and we talked about you know a single carrier qualm docks three modem could only have one primary i was always like why couldn't we have two primaries like a backup primary yeah it's like an oxymoron right a primary secondary a secondary primary (laughs) (laughs) it's an oxymoron but it's like then when OFDM came out like why didn't they think of that why didn't they have multiple PLC's so you had like a backup for the physical link uh channel um but then when I looked at the spec and we did testing of our own the PLC is like 16 qualm it's like really really robust
0: order modulation
1: and it's not that it's 400 kilohertz or less of actual bandwidth uh, and you can put it wherever you want. So I told people was like it 's pretty robust. By default, on RCMTS, it shows up, I think right smack in the middle of your channel, but you have the capability and power to move it where you want. So I tell people move it wherever you want and keep it away from LTE, keep it away from off air interference. Um, if it hurts when you do that, don't do that. <laughs> so you should know your plant. You should know where ingress might be coming in and put the PLC where it makes sense. You might not want to put it near the very high end because you could have a high end roll off and the modem doesn't lock or doesn't work anyway.
0: But this one megahertz. Yep. Megahertz because it took the modems yeah. offline. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other one is, uh, is this one's philosophical as well. Do I make my OFDM primary? Is it worth making my OFDM channel a primary channel or because you've got to cross bond with single carrier qualms anyway, probably for a long time because you have three modems, two modems. So maybe I cut down the number of primary downstreams on single carrier qualm from all 32 to like every eighth one. So there's only four primaries that cuts down on the number of uh, downstream maps and map traffic. Um, but I still have plenty of primary downstreams and I can see where you can make a case we're not making the OFDM primary because if it's secondary only, I can go into partial mode while the modem's still locked on a 256 QAM, very stable single carrier QAM primary. Um, whereas the OFDM, once you lose it, you lose a lot of, you lose that entire channel, which is a lot of capacity, right? Um, but you can make the other argument that PLC is very robust, the OFDM shouldn't go down. But as the case you just said, Mel just said here, uh, he had his PLC in an area that was subject to noise and ingress, maybe LTE, 4G cell phones. And uh, it could even be, I don't know where 5G is transmitting right now. But uh, there's ingress all the time coming in from somewhere. And uh, if you don't properly select a good place in the spectrum for your PLC, it's going to cause a problem.
0: Yeah. And there, there's a, I want to point out there is another tool out there. So, uh, Mel, maybe something you want to look at, into called PMA, the profile management application. Um, and it does do something that it'll continuously look at your RXMER and it'll identify if your PLC is in a place that does have high degradation. And it'll recommend moving, it'll recommend the optimal place to put your PLC frequency. So, that's also something that's a t- another tool that you can look into for that. Um, I, I suspect
1: if you, had his OFDM as a secondary only, not primary, the PLC would have recorded a problem, and the modem could have went to partial mode instead of going offline. Yeah,
0: so in in partial mode, it drops the OFDM channel and falls back to the SCQAM channel. So, um, right. and I definitely hear what you're saying, John, about making the OFDM secondary, so it uses the SCQAMs first as your primary channel. But I think that is a stopgap solution because as we look at DOCSIS 4.0 and the road to 10G, SC qualms will eventually go away and right. OFDM will be our has to be our primary channel when there's when there will be no SE qualms SE qualm being our legacy so that that's something that we have to consider as well yep of course so. all right John um, anything coming up uh, for you on, on, in the in the future um, what's, on your, what's on your roadmap
1: <laughs> roadmap uh, you know there's no real Shows or conferences coming up,
0: holidays coming up uh, soon, yeah.
1: So it, it's, um, you know, getting ready for people's quiet time, you know, where people will shut down yes. their network so you can't do any changes. Usually, that's a good time to give training, mm-hmm. right? Because people are like saying, All right, we, we, we shut down our network from any changes from Thanksgiving to New Year's, and then sometimes it goes even further into the bowl games and everything else, right? So we don't mess with the networks, and that time is usually spent training. Uh, I think, which is a good opportunity to get people up to date with what's been going on, Um, you know, problems that might have been seen. We're getting a little bit better information on OFDMA on the upstream. More people are deploying it. Um, I remember the time you were working with OFDMA issues with noise related issues. Yeah, a lot like of those said, have
0: gone away, um, thanks yeah, to the maturity the of the modem issues and the maturity of the modem firmware and also the CMTS firmware. Well, we're seeing operators um, successfully operate OFDMA at the lower frequencies. I think it was probably a year ago we were saying, don't operate OFDMA in the lower frequency yeah. spectrum. But we're seeing it's yeah. actually become pretty robust now in 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 the lower frequency spectrum.
1: That's good. Yeah, yeah, we knew that with the noise down there and the OFDMA, it was causing some issues and lockups or layer three ping issues or whatever. Um, and we said, you know, it, my philosophy was if I'm doing DOCSIS 3.1, I wanted to use it to its fullest advantage and take a, take advantage of it. And the, it, that means higher modulation at the higher frequency, not trying to squeeze out a couple bits per second out of the lower frequency and opening up that noise. And uh, so I was always kind of trying to promote moving up in spectrum and keep the single carrier qualms down lower.
0: Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, with that, uh, so I will be next week at, uh, in Tulsa, at Oklahoma, for an SCTE chapter meeting. Um, it's a vendor day, so we'll be doing cha- um, cable games in the morning and a uh, 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 presentation in, for, over lunch. So looking forward to seeing everyone in Tulsa. Uh, next week. Um, but same as you, John, after that, we've got holidays rolling in and lots of cable operators shutting down, um, well, not shutting down, but kind of freezing plants. So uh, that'll be nice going into the holiday seasons. But between now and then, I'm sure we'll probably have a, another uh, live stream. So I want to thank everyone in the chat room. It's been a nice active chat. So um, Mel, thanks. We'll look it up. Uh, and wow, uh, noise and CPD. We never deal with that in the cable industry. So, um, John, thank you so much for joining us back again. This is a great episode. I think we had a lot of nice content we covered and we'll, uh, we'll get back in probably another month to catch up again. So John, so long. Thanks again. And, uh, everyone, please, you know, hit the thumbs up and subscribe if you haven't already. So you get notified of our next episode, everyone. Take care and so long.
1: All right. Take care.